Hello and welcome to the IFSEC Insider Security and Focus podcast, where we bring you exclusive interviews with leading figures in the physical security industry to get to the heart of the profession. Hello and thank you for joining us for this episode of the Security in Focus podcast with me, James Moore, Managing Editor of IFSEC Insider. We've got a fascinating discussion with no other than Professor Martin Gill today, who I'm sure many of you will already know or at least be aware of. Martin will discuss his expertise in criminology, where he gives perspective from the police, private security and the criminals themselves, summarising the essential elements for doing security well. We also talk about the research into the industry he's carried out over the years, including a bit of a deep dive into his latest report, which explored the levels of influence security professionals feel they have over the budget and why that influence is important and not just for the obvious reasons to clarify. Just before we get into the episode, however, we've got some big news for you. If you were paying attention to my opening words or have had a look at the podcast or the website logo recently, you may have noticed a bit of a change already. But for those who haven't, IFSEC Global has now rebranded as IFSEC Insider. We've got a new logo, a new name, had a lick of paint, and ultimately we think it better represents who we are and what we do. We actually gave a short interview at this year's IFSEC exhibition, which took place in May in London, to explain the reasoning behind it. So if you'd like to know more, just have a listen here. Welcome to the show floor here at IFSEC Firex 2023, where I'm delighted to be joined by James Moore, who is the managing editor of, well, not IFSEC Global, but IFSEC Insider. James, thanks for joining us. Tell us a bit about this rebrand from IFSEC Global that many, uh, many people watching today will be familiar with for a number of years now to IFSEC Insider. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you, David. Um, so IFSEC Global, as many will know, is a content media publication that runs alongside IFSEC mm-hmm. uh, and Firex. Um, and we've repositioned ourselves to IFSEC Insider. The, the reason being, we feel it, it better represents who we are, what we yep. do, that being uh, a news website, a media publication, somewhere there where security and fire professionals can go and get the latest news, the latest insight, uh, and the latest information and legislation updates for what's going on in the sector, everything that's going to impact them, really. Um, we, we also wanted a rebrand because we, we feel like if, if Second Insider better kind of gives an impression of what we do. We're looking at yeah. future-facing topics and Insider being a bit of a security term, many will know the in, in, Insider threat. Yes. Um, so we feel it, it kind of fits with what we are, what we're doing a lot more. So what will those who have previously engaged with IFSEC Global, what, what changes will they notice? I mean, you've had a lick of paint, it, it, it's fair to say, and I, and I really like the new branding, um, but what will they notice first and foremost about the new kind of content platform that you've got? Yeah, well, as you can see, um, nice, nice new uh, color palette, which really, really pleased with. It's, it's better on a digital platform as well. Um, the, the other thing that people are going to notice is that we're going we're to continue doing what we're already doing. That is providing news, providing legislation updates, providing insight. But we're looking, as I said, about the future-facing tech, the future-facing topics that are going to impact security and fire professionals, not just today, but in the next two to three years, uh, and maybe five to ten. You're talking, you know, things like AI, you know, which, which yeah. is a big buzzword at the moment with, with ChatGPT coming out, but how is that going to impact on security? IoT technology and fire, what does that mean for professionals? Yeah. How do the standards keep up with it? 
um, and really talking to experts in the industry uh, about what, what, they, what, what they think about it and what it's going to do to the professions. Um, and we've got new things as well. We've, we've run more webinars than, than ever, ever before this year already. Yep. Uh, we've launched the If Second Side of Security and Focus podcast. Um, so we've got more mediums to read and in, in, ingest our content as well. Um, so you know whether you're in the car for an hour and you want to have a listen to uh, to an expert like Leo Desch talk about access control, yep. or you, you you've got you've got half an hour spare and you want to join a webinar um, and ask questions directly to the audience uh, to uh, to professionals, you can do both. Whilst reading all the content we've got, keeping up to date with, with our with our legislation updates yeah. and, and our uh, newsletter subscriptions. I mean, I was listening to the podcast on the way in this morning. Your interview with uh, with Fegan Murray. Uh, and I guess it's a question there of, well, it's meeting your audience where they're at and podcasts in particular are a great way of doing that. Some of the numbers that you've got, the number of people who already engage with the platform, really, really impressive. Just, just talk us through how many people are, uh, are, are page impressions, how many people are subscribing to the newsletters. Yeah, absolutely. And, and the thing to note, we've, we've moved away from if global, but that doesn't mean we've moved away from a global audience. Right. Um, a, a good 20% of our audience comes from uh, North America, for example. Mm. The UK being the primary audience still, but um, it really is a global audience and, and it will continue to, to be so. Um, you can just see the numbers behind me. You know, we've got 49,000 security briefing subscribers uh, and they get a weekly newsletter. Yeah. Um, 30, about 33,000 fire briefing um, subscribers and Hopefully that will grow after the show um, this week, yeah. uh, and and we get over five hundred thousand unique visitors to the website every year. So that, you know any insight, any information is going to be read by lots and lots of uh, security and fire professionals. We are a focused audience, um, hitting the whole supply chain. So um, we cut, we cater for everything from integrators through to security end users, yeah. managers, risk management consultants and then all the fire side as well. So fire risk engineers and everything going, going in between. So a big audience there, but of course, when you come to an event like IFSEC and FireX, you've got a lot of, a lot of brands who are, are innovating with their products and they're wanting to get in touch and you know, let those people who are at the front line of the industry know, hey, did you know that this is now available or did you know that you can now do this with this instead? You provide that kind of platform, that audience for them to, to spread their word, to connect with their audience as well. Exactly that, David. And, and it's, you know, think about the shows. We're here to connect the industry. We're yeah. here to bring suppliers together with their customers, get them talking, get them showing their latest innovations. And that's what we can do on a second sider as well, on a digital platform. You know, it's not just the three days at the show, but it's all year round. Yeah. Um, you, we, you, know, we can, you can sponsor our webinars and appear as thought leaders. You can sponsor eBooks and trend reports and generate, lead, generate leads. Uh, you can feature on, on, on the podcast and, and again talk about the things that matter to you but the things that are going to matter to your customers as well. And we can work with you on bespoke packages whether it be uh, new product launches that you've got and you want to show off or yeah. um, a new piece of technology that you think is going to really impact the sector and you want people to know about. Um, you know, everything that's going to impact on things like Martin's Law through to course, Building yeah. Safety Act and, and everything in between. There's lots going on and, and the suppliers are here to support that but they need to get that message across to their customers, and that's what we can do. We, we have that customer base already. You just look at the numbers, um, yeah. and yeah, we, that's, that's something we can help with, with, with editorial support as well. Well, really exciting times, thrilled for you, uh, managing editor at the new IFSEC Insider Brand. And finally, before we go, the awards, they are continuing. They're bigger, than, bigger and better than ever before this year. They are indeed, yeah. Security and Fire Excellence Awards, uh, probably the biggest awards in the industry. Um, they, we've had to move it this year because it's so big. 
uh, happens at the end of every year. Um, it's just a really good opportunity for the audience um, or the industry to get together, yeah. celebrate best practice, celebrate uh, innovation, celebrate amazing projects, recognize the, the contributions that professionals make to the sector on a, on a, on a daily basis. Yeah. Um, and, and it's just a bit of a celebration, really. That's what awards are all about. So, yeah, look forward to seeing everybody there. Celebrating success and celebrating the launch of IFSEC Insider. James, really good to chat to you. I wish you all the very best for this year's IFSEC FireX show and also for whatever content that you have coming up for the rest of this year. Thank you on very IFSEC much. Insider. Cheers, David. Thank you. I hope that all gave you, as our valued listeners and readers, an idea of why we rebranded to IFSEC Insider. Of course, if you have any questions at all for the editorial team, for myself, or would like to see more of certain topics or types of content, please just reach out and let me know. My door is always open. So let's get back to today's episode. Quick intro to Professor Martin Gill. Martin is a criminologist and also director of research firm Perpetuity Research. He also organizes and shares the Security Thought Leadership webinar series as well as the well-known Outstanding Security Performance Awards, otherwise known as the Ospers in the industry. He's received several awards and merits in the security industry and has published a number of books and hundreds of articles. Where he gets the time for all this, I'll never know, but let's get into it, shall we? We'll start by asking Martin to introduce himself and how he got into the security and criminology sector in the first place. My name is Martin Gill and uh, I have two roles really. One is that with colleagues we conduct research into crime and security issues and uh, on the other side with a different set of colleagues largely we organise award schemes particularly the Outstanding Security Performance Awards, the Tackling Economic Crime Awards and the Cyber Ospers. So all of this though is about thought leadership, it's all about recognising what's good, what's outstanding and finding credible ways of doing that across the security sector. And your, your background has been in lecturing and academia, is that is that right? That's right. So um, by background, I'm a professor of criminology. So research was uh, my interest and I was always interested in crime and security, always, always. So I've been very lucky, in fact, that in my career, I've been able to pursue something that was of genuine interest to me. And I always wanted to do something to do with crime or crime prevention, I should say. So the research and the events are just fantastic interest to me. What was it about crime out of interest that sort of really stuck out that, you, you know, you really wanted to get get into? Is there anything in particular or was it just something that, that's always interested you? Well, it's always interested me. I mean, there's all sorts of things. I was fascinated about why people would want to commit crime. It always seemed such a dreadful thing to me to do to want to undertake a set of activities which could lead you to such serious consequences, going to prison, losing your freedom, and also the implication on victims. Very young, I remember um, going past a shop and my mum and dad were talking to the shop owner who had just been burgled, who was traumatised. All this just led me to really be fascinated. Although I think I've, if I was about four then, I was already interested in police and what they did and and prisons and what they did. So um, it was just really lucky for me that I could pursue a whole career around this subject. I guess you've spoken to both sides of the spectrum in terms of both the security professionals and the police involved in stopping and preventing crime, but also the, the criminals themselves. How different are those sort of views? And, and can you, in a weird way, can you sometimes see both sides of the argument? I'm not sure there is two sides of the argument. I think there's only one, which yeah. is uh, when you speak to offenders, they know when they target a premise, premises that, that there's going to be security there that's a given 
The question for them is, is it any good or not? And by and large, when they commit offences, they're well geared up to deal with any of the security that's there. So I currently work with three ex-offenders and uh, we've, doing, we've been doing quite a lot of work together. We go into stores and we steal goods. They're called penetration tests and we give it back and explain how we did it. And the ex-offenders are able to give in situ specific insights into the sorts of things that put them off and the sorts of things that made it easy and provide feedback. We've also given advice to companies about um, how to prevent crimes, advising one big return on refunds policy. We've just been advising a major manufacturer about the way they uh, display goods and the packaging they use and how they're displayed in store and about the security implications. So um, that part of uh, my life has been a, another fascinating insight into the offender's perspective. And of course, I speak to the other side too. You mentioned police and uh, but the security sector, of course, is, is geared to preventing crime. That's what uh, its remit is. And uh, getting their side of the story is fascinating. And so I think there's only... Uh, there's only one view that when criminals find it easy, they will commit offences and the object of security is not to make it easy for them. Is there anything, you know, any common threads and things that, you know, security is, is not aware of or, or maybe, you know, retail stores or whatever it might be often fall down on when, when a, and a, and a criminal can spot it like, you know, instantly, I guess? Yeah, well, I don't think there's anything they're not aware of. I think the real lesson, I think, from speaking to the security world and the offender world, if I can put them like that, is that doing security well is not easy. And it's sometimes simplified into all you need to do is a risk assessment and implement measures. But there's a lot to getting that right. It's about having the right culture and support within the organisation. It's about having high level support within the organisation. It's about security being prioritised. It's about understanding the risk properly. It's about developing an effective response and then making sure that is managed and uh, measures are implemented properly. It's about ongoing monitoring of events to read the road ahead. And each of those elements are not, not easy to do. In fact, I'm involved with a police accreditation scheme called Secured Environments, which the police offer. And uh, the police award this to organisations that run their security well. The Lloyds Building in London have got it, some of the universities, shopping centres, uh, some of the large estates in London have also got it. The point about this is there are essential elements to running security well, and they are essential. They're not desirable, the ones that I mentioned. But getting them right is not a given. It takes some expertise and it takes some application. It's interesting that because I know you earlier you mentioned that you, you run the, the, the OSPERS, which is generally to do with physical security, if, if I'm right, and, and the cyber OSPERS, which is obviously cyber security. And, and people, like I think, often see those two as, as quite separate disciplines in, in that there's a very difficult, very, very different kind of technical sort of understanding, etc. But that what you're saying there is there's a real underlying premise that is the same. It's building the same. It's building the culture. It's building the awareness. It's building building the same principles. Do you, th do you see that's that is where those two fields kind of integrate best. Well, that and and uh, the economic crime world. I mean, absolutely. But but there is a separate set of expertise that goes with that, I think. I mean, a, a, an additional overlap, of course, is that all physical security measures these days, or nearly all are, or increasingly, are cyber as well. So the overlap is considerable. And there's two sets of expertise needed. And they're not always aligned. And uh, sometimes they compete organizations often don't appreciate and integrate so all great opportunities really for the security sector going forward 
moving on a little bit to your to the to the research and things you do i know you you should run perpetuity research is that right but it also worked with security research initiative are they the same uh different what can you just explain a little bit about each so the security research initiative uh which i'm very proud of it's been going since 2006 and it's sponsored by the security sector so currently we have access communications inter OCS, MITE, MNS, PwC, SIA, Sodexo, they all contribute to an annual study where we look at some aspect of the security sector. We produce a report which is then made public and it's been going since 2006. So there are 17 odd studies that are now on the website and they provide a remarkable reference point, I think, for where security is and where it's going. Focusing on, I mean, I guess, firstly, We'll focus on last year's report uh, in, in a second because I thought I found that really, really interesting. But is there one report over the years that you've worked on over those, those 17, I think you mentioned, that that really stands out to you? Did you, did you really a, maybe enjoyed working on and found it really interesting? Or Oh, or... I enjoyed them all. But one year we produced a guide to how to write security strategy, which I think was very influential in the sense it was widely read. We did one on understanding what makes security successful. And that actually bred the OSPAs. It came out of that research study that uh, I was looking at. One of the questions I asked is, uh, uh, what is a good way in which security is recognized in your organization? And to my surprise, one of the findings was a credible industry award scheme. And I thought, goodness me, it was disproportionately high. I mean, I couldn't believe how, how big a deal that seemed to be. And it was on the back of that that I employed someone for a whole year just to research award schemes and uh, um, so we could come up with something that was independent and credible for the security sector. Amazing. And focusing on, on last year's report, as I said, it came out in November and it focused, I think, on the on the role of security and, and influence in the budget. I personally think it was a really important sort of topic because the, from the conversations I've had over the last few years, traditionally security, you know, maybe has been seen as a bit of a grudge purchase for a lot of organisations. Security hasn't got that seat at the table, maybe, so to speak, which and then maybe lacked a bit of C-suite level influence. From your side and, and from the research that you did last year, what, what was the key finding or takeaway, I guess, from that report? It is a fascinating topic, I agree. And I think one of the most important things is that the influence over the budget or the lack of it has important implications. The reason why it was important to have influence was not just because you got control of the money. It was also meant that the uh, security function had status in discussions with other departments. It enabled security advice and proposals to be listened to and being able to direct the allocation of resources using their security expertise. It's what comes with having an influence over the budget. So uh, I thought that was uh, uh, really important. And of course, it was fascinating and perhaps not surprising to understand the role of procurement. And of course, procurement has a very important role and often it's very good and often it's geared to help to get the best out of security. But often it's not. Often the involvement of procurement undermines the principles of good security where lowest price overtakes uh, what is seen to be what's needed to do the job well. Mm, yeah. It, it, why do you think that is the case? Do you think it's just because of price? Do you think the cost is, is ultimately the sort of factor there or is there, are there other sort of aspects? Well, it's a big it's a big deal, this, because when we ask, you know, what are the factors that influence the budget? The sorts of things that came through as being particularly important is where the security function was seen as core to the business, where an organization at a high level and meaningfully understand its threats, where the security team itself has a high status, 
Then further down the line, there were things like, is it in a regulated sector? Is it a statutory requirement? The key is, does an organisation see security as core to business? Has the security function made it clear how what it does impacts on business operations? Do you think that's changed over the in, in recent years with the technology that's come into the security sector, the ability now for security professionals to show some real tangible evidence of where their that it might be the devices they look after or, or purchase or the sort of process that they bring into play that they really impact. So, for example, I'm thinking about CCTV cameras and, and surveillance cameras can now look at you know footfall analysis and, and better work, work for retail environments. Yeah, I mean, on a tactical level, that sort of thing is important. That's possibly one of the most sort of quoted examples. I think the danger of it, though, notwithstanding the fact that it is accurate and important, is that at a strategic level, security needs to do more, and security professionals, I think, at the, need to do more as a sector to recognise that it plays a crucial role in developing, in facilitating business operations when there's a crisis, when things are difficult, but also day to day. And in a business, the most crucial thing of all, perhaps, is that business operations continue no matter what. And security is built to do that. But it's making that connection in the minds of business leaders and instilling in the culture and in the way that organisations think that that is the case, that security is crucial to business operations. Uh, So it's much more than making links about individual devices. It's a much more strategic issue, which has ramifications. And where that's done well, that is an important differentiator in how security is perceived. But of course, therefore, about the opportunity for security to influence the budget. Are there any things that you've seen where that has been done well and solutions to and advice you you, you could perhaps give to to security teams to build that that culture and, and, and highlight that, you know, the importance? Well, we have done that. And I think it comes back to this point about security strategy. Uh, I, I picked that one out. We, we, we do do work with organisations to help them develop a security strategy. And uh, in fact, part of the work we're doing this year, the current project, is on the security culture. And one of the interesting things for us is that we've been championing security strategy. But of course, the whole point about making a strategy work is having a culture that is security aware and security conscious. And um, all too often, security has been seen to be getting in the way of operations and being a disruptor when the very best security is a facilitator of good business. And therein comes the mind change over the years in terms of what it's about and where it's perceived. And of course, therefore, there are different skills that security professionals require, particularly at the highest level, to be able to sell that difference. What do you, those skills at that highest level, what what would you say they are, the the ability to communicate, that kind of thing, or or is it? Well, in short, it's about business acumen. That's what it's about in short. The ability to be able to talk the language of business. And of course, this is not always where the security world has come from. It's been about protection. It's not been about facilitating business. And therein lies the catch. And one of the things I've done is last year, we published the third edition of the Handbook of Security. This is a sort of textbook for the security sector. Each of the chapters is on a different topic and written by leading scholars from around the world. 45 or 46 chapters in all. And I think one of the important points about the third edition is we were really keen to highlight the fact that 
that this is the transition that's taking place. You know, effective security is taking on a different dimension. It's a really, really big opportunity for it, but it requires a sea change in thinking. And we've moved from a position where security is about the protection of assets to one where it is about the ability to help facilitate business operations, even in the most tricky environments. I think the one event that maybe sticks out, obviously, in that scenario is the pandemic. Would you say that was just a prime example of the importance that security has to business resilience? Yes, but the real danger here is that security is seen as only important in a crisis. So I think while performing well, and by and large, it seems to have done so, is important. I think the really key challenge is that, yes, it's important for crisis, but to move beyond that, to show how it's important in facilitating day-to-day practice. Yeah, I, I agree. I think there's there's an obvious sort of example there with crisis management, and that is where a lot of you know risk management, that is where a lot of the security professionals' expertise lies a lot of the time. Yeah. Um, but I thought it was interesting at the, the recent OSPAs that I attended, which was excellent, by the way, and, and the speakers were, were all very, very good. You asked a question, I think, to the room about what 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 do they consider is more important at a high level of security? Was it having background in security or having a background in business? And I think more from my memory, more people put their hands up for having a background in business. And I thought that was really interesting. I don't know what if you is that something you've seen across the sector when you've asked those questions? Before? Yes. And this is a thought leadership summit in the afternoon before the UK OSPAs. So at the UK OSPAs and indeed at other OSPAs events like Ireland, we run a thought leadership in the afternoon. But over the years, I've asked this question quite a bit. What's more important for the senior parts of the security sector? Is it to have business skills or security skills? And I always say you can only choose one. And in the early days, it was very much security skills are much more important. These days, business skills trumps nearly every time and quite a dominant train of thought now suggests that's more important. Yeah, it's, it's interesting. We, we, we actually asked some of these questions to some of our, the end users that we, we, we spoke to. And we, we, we kind of asked a few statements and said, which of these statements do you agree with? And, and one of the statements that we asked was security decisions are regularly made or influenced by non-security experts. 41% of respondents agreed with that statement. Exactly, exactly. And uh, it all comes back to the same point about the influence over the budget. And by the way, the report on influence in the budget is available from the website, purposelyresearch.com. You can download it free of charge if you're uh, interested in this report or indeed all the other reports that have been done. Yeah, absolutely. We'll put a link in the in the description for, for everybody to find it. But I just, well, I've got you finally, um, and I've been sort of trying to ask this to, to lots of people, it's quite a, an open and vague question, I'm aware. But is what would you say is, is one key trend that you're seeing at the moment in physical security, maybe outside of what we've already talked about? Well, the first thing I would say, what the OSPs have taught me around the world is the very best of security around the world are simply outstanding. I think one trend is a growing recognition about just how good security is and just how important it is. So I would just make that point because I think the tendency with that sort of question is to go into a microscopic example or, uh, you know, very specific. But to me, the really big trend is that um, security at the very best at the top level, those who are winning OSPAs, are really, is really very, very good indeed. You know, one of the things the security sector is not good at, if I could turn it on its head, is saying how good it is. 
And one of the sort of messages that I'm trying to promote around the world is security leaders, start saying how good you are, start saying how important you are, start showing how you deal with the concerns of business leaders, that operations might be threatened and make sure you're important in that way, because that's the holy grail. That's the role of security. That connection needs to be made more. Yeah, absolutely. The 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 some of the the where we you know we do the influencers process each year and and some of the some of the submissions to that is are just incredible and the same with with winners at awards awards events that some of the security professionals do so much not just within their own companies but out outside the, the their companies as well within the associations within the whether that be global whether that be sector specific it, and sharing best practice because I think there's a real community in the in the security industry I was speaking yeah. to a couple of people recently and, and they sort of said you know security is a role that not many kind of always think they're going to fall into but they might move around the sector but they very rarely leave the industry once they're in it and there's got to be a reason for that that good good security professionals don't tend to move on so much and and i think it's about just showcasing how good they are yeah exactly exactly and uh, therein lies the challenge and it, to be honest it is why the ospers is so important the cyber ospers and the techers are so important and indeed why we champion thought leadership you know and just to be clear i work with colleagues i've got uh, a full-time researcher sorry a permanent staff who research all the time charlotte janice and josephine and i've got uh, christine and shrey and claire on the event side and together there is this sort of a uh, real unity of spirit and commitment to making sure that you know we can really begin to develop this area because it's not an idle issue if security is good or outstanding the implications are considerable compared to the alternatives and the dangers here are that when it doesn't go right, it's not just the fact that uh, people can be upset or that our business can be affected. You know, at its most extreme case, a business can go out of business. It's not just that people can get upset, they can get injured, they can in the worst cases lose their lives, you know, and what security does is make that less likely to happen. And by and large, at the top end, it's outstanding. We've got to try and replicate that. Welcome back and a huge thanks to Martin Gill for joining us and sharing his expertise and insight into the world of criminology and into the research he's carried out into the private security industry over the years. I said it in the episode already, I believe, and I'll say it again. The latest research from Martin's team makes for a really, really interesting read. And listening to him speak about it and the findings and his conclusions was even more so. Making that connection, as Martin explained, that security is critical to business operations is often obvious to professionals themselves, but it's getting that message across to the rest of the C-suite that isn't always easy. Yes, security includes things like monitoring individual camera devices on a network that many people see day to day, but it's at its very best, as Martin says, it's also a hugely important strategic facilitator to a business operation. And that's a key takeaway for me. How much security has evolved from simply a protective function in the business to a critical business operational function? And it's not just in times of crisis, as Martin pointed out. In fact, in further research carried out by Omnia recently with the International Security Management Association, the chief security officers that took part in the survey, many of whom were from huge, huge organizations and top FTSE 100 companies, identified operational efficiency and optimization as their top security priorities for the year ahead. Links to that article, now live on If Second Insider, and to the research carried out by Martin's Perpetuity Research team, are in the description of this episode. But for now, that's all from this episode of the Security in Focus podcast. This has been a podcast from If Second Insider, not If Second Global anymore, don't forget. 
Do follow us on all the social media platforms you're on and get yourself on our weekly security newsletters to keep up with the latest in the industry as always. But for now, thank you for listening and see you next time.